Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Midwest Madness, your true crime cult conspiracy encrypted podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. And you started without telling me you were starting and I almost said something really embarrassing on the podcast. That was like more personal than people needed to know. So I'm really glad I didn't say anything. I would have just started it over. I know, but it would have been like, oh, damn it. Um... Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have much. Oh, the neighbors just came home, so we might get some barking. Sorry um, about that, folks. If it happens. Okay. Do you, you want to just get into it? You don't have anything? Rather than just sit here awkwardly? <laughs> I mean, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's awkward. Um, oh, we're going up to a cabin. That's what I was going to talk about. Oh, yeah. And Ely. So if any of our listeners have any suggestions on restaurants or things to do in Ely. With a mildly active group of people. I wouldn't call us like super athletic, but we like hikes and stuff. If it's not super cold, I would would go and do a walk. I I wouldn't say we're not not athletic. Okay. I'm offended. That was an offensive comment. Fuck you. It was not. <laughs> yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Okay. You go to the gym every day and about you to, yes. do like... Um, you didn't know this? No. Yeah. You're the only one other than dad that does in the whole family. Allie goes, works out at home? Goes to the gym. Why does that matter? Because it's it takes more effort to go to the gym than work out at home, in my opinion. And like that, I wouldn't consider that being super athletic. None of us are none of us are athletes. The rights are athletes. I'm actually like Are you seriously yes. offended? Yes. You shouldn't be. Family fight. Family fight. I bet you anything if you ask mom if she thinks we're an, an athletic family or dad, they'll probably both say no. Are you kidding? I bet you anything. <laughs> I have made Emily speechless, I think, for the first time. Ever. It's not an I'm offensive like, thing. I'm almost like physically angry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is what did it. This is what ended the podcast. <laughs> and thanks, guys. Oh, it was a really great run. Um, you'll never hear from us again because I'm never talking to Danielle again. <laughs> I didn't know this was such a controversial thing. I'm not saying that we're not like active and that we don't do stuff. Like we go on hikes, and you guys did a ton in. Hawaii, but I just wouldn't call that athletic. So you don't I think, think they're two everything we things. did from age three to okay. We are not, not athletic. We are not currently athletic. Yes, we did organize sports for a really long time, but I don't. Do what do that you consider anymore? athletic? Is now my question. Like Natalie and Cal being on that volleyball team. So and they, like that's just because they want to drink and I don't. I mean, whatever it takes, I guess. Like, Siva is getting... <laughs> She's getting stressed oh, no. because she can hear my... She can feel my anger rising. <laughs> I'm dying, you guys. I'm, like, crying. <laughs> oh, my God. I really didn't... We will talk about this later. Oh, God. <laughs> she goes, oh, you don't... We don't really have anything to talk about. Now we're in our first, like, family fight. <laughs> All right, I'm going to text everybody in the family group and say, are we an athletic family? And I want to see what everyone says because now I'm genuinely curious. Because being active and being athletic to me are two different things. Being athletic means, like, you do sports and you, like, are 
So you can only uh, be athletic up to a certain age and then you're just not athletic anymore? No, I just, I think that a lot of adults are still athletic because they do like sports. So you have to play in a beer league to be athletic? Or like do like swim training or do like, I don't know, athletic to me means like organized sports. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I need to know what everyone else's (laughs) definition of athletic is because to me, athletic is not that oh what is it then just like being active being active oh see and that that's different to me i would say that we're an active family i wouldn't say we're an athletic family like we don't do like marathons well, no but we most don't. families don't that's why i'm saying the rights are I athletic. turkey track you do are you guys doing that again this year no i'll probably just walk in the morning by okay. myself well not yourself serious i'll go with you yeah you could take sieva too if you want <laughs> i know you don't want to though just she, walking Siva alone is athletic. That is actually pretty fair. It's like a weight training contest. I would consider hiking athletic. See, I just don't, because I don't consider it a sport, and I consider being athletic a sport. Okay, well. All right, we should move on, because we're going to just talk in circles. We just, oh, no. <laughs> okay. Emily, I apologize for offending <laughs> you. <laughs> I very honestly did not mean to. <laughs> Moral of the story is. We have different definitions. No. If you've been to Ely before. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Start, I'll start it with Ely. So, um, yeah, send us your recommendations. We'll be up there for, well, you'll be up there three nights. I'll be up there. F- no, you'll be two. I'll be up there three nights. Yeah. Yeah. And we're coming home on my birthday. It'll be her birthday. Birthday's a week from today. Aw. So. It's been a year since the creation of the Ulim. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. We can get into my story this week. Um, I am going to be going to the state of South Dakota. Oh, oh doggies. God. We're going to pause gonna, really yeah. quick. Please hold. <laughs> well, the start of this podcast has just been <laughs> shit It's been wild. <laughs> this is what it's uh, like on the daily in our house, apparently. Not really, but... Well, okay, when we have two of the dogs in one room, they tend to tussle at least once. She's not over my my non-athletic um, comments, so she's not going to agree with me. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, okay, so this week I'm going to head to the state of South Dakota. I'm going to be talking about a case that took place in the year 1971. Oh, damn. And it wasn't solved until the year 2014. Oh, damn. Yeah. And I think that the ending of this one is going to be something most people aren't going to see coming. So oh, oh. Kind of Ooh, fun and interesting. Intriguing. And we haven't been to South Dakota in... A hot minute. Yeah, I can't even remember when, so... Probably the haunted in, in South Dakota. You think? I think there's been maybe one I other one there. one in North Dakota. You did one in North Dakota. Yeah, whatever. It's been a hot minute. Um, Okay. So like I stated before, our story starts in the year 1971, and the month of May, right after school, had let out for the summer. Cheryl Miller and Pamela Jackson, who goes by Pam, so that's what I'll be calling her, Okay, were happy that they had finished their junior year at Vermilion High School in Vermilion, South Dakota. And they were looking forward to the summer and their senior year. Cheryl was described as tall and beautiful. She lived with her grandparents most of her life and had a great relationship with them. Her mom, unfortunately, struggled with alcoholism most of her life, so she chose to live with her grandparents. She was ambitious and got along with everyone. 
Pam lived on a farm with her family about 15 miles outside of town. Pam was known to be a little bit more outgoing than Cheryl. She was very close with her parents, and they were known to always know, like, where she was. Like, she was very responsible. Okay, so it wasn't like she just, like, ran the town. She was like, okay, I'm going to be at Betty's house this weekend, and then she would really be at Betty's house that weekend. Yeah. Okay. I just picked a name. Both girls were known to not drink or do drugs, and they weren't the type to go to parties. So on the evening of May 19th, when Cheryl left her grandparents' house in her grandfather's 1960 Studbaker Lark. I think it's Studebaker Lark. Around 6.30 p.m. to pick Pam up to go roller skating. Their families didn't even question it. But this night, the two girls had actually planned to attend a party that people in the senior class were hosting at a gravel pit in the area. And this is so funny because what does that remind you of, like a party in a gravel pit? We had very different high school experiences. It just reminds me of mom. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because I mean, this. I mean, she grew up in this is a Minnesota. Little, yeah. And it's, you know, I mean. A little mm, early for her. Well, like, you know, eight like, years, maybe. Yeah. Five, six, seven, eight years. So not too much earlier. No. But they would, they would like party in the ditch banks, they'd call them, <laughs> and the woods, and they would like Wisconsin. Hide behind, <laughs> like, sand pile. Like, just, you know, funny. So when I heard there was a party in a gravel pit, I was like, that reminds me of mom's childhood. Mom's stories. Yeah. Um, Again, these the two girls didn't drink or do drugs, but the two wanted to try something new this night and kind of branch out of their comfort zones. So they, right after I said they don't lie about where they're going. Yeah. <laughs> We've all done it, though. Oh, absolutely. Um, The girls had planned to meet up with some boys from their school to follow them to the party so they would have less of a chance of getting lost. Now, this is where you found a little bit of discrepancy. Like, I read one where they had planned to follow the boys originally one where the they had just like stumbled across the boys okay and then asked them to just follow them okay. or like for directions yeah i've read it both ways so okay um but when they got on their way the boys accidentally made a wrong turn or they like missed their turn and by the time they had gotten back on track and like flipped a yui the girls were no longer behind them and they had disappeared Oh. No, the girls had just, oh, sorry, the boys had just assumed that the two girls had either decided to go home or hadn't missed the original turn and were already at the party. Okay. Um, now, when Pam left that night, her mom had left the porch light on for her for when she came home. Pam's mom did this every time Pam would be coming home at night, so she wouldn't be coming home to, like, a, you know, the dark. Yeah. Which I would say most parents kind of I was going to say a lot of people, I mean, even... I do that at our parents' house for them if they're coming home late. Right. And when Pam got home, she would turn the porch light off before she went to bed. But that night, or I should say early the next morning, when Pam's mom got up around 4 a.m., she noticed that the porch light was still on. So she began to get a little nervous and decided to go check Pam's room. And that's when she noticed that Pam's bed was untouched and she had yet to return from her night out. This can was not like Pam at all. Can you imagine? No. Ugh. Um, obviously, like I stated before, her and her parents were close. They always knew where she was. She was. They weren't one to, like, 
why and you know what i bet if they i mean i guess i don't know but i feel like even if they told their parents like they were gonna go to the party i'm sure their parents would have trusted them enough they just seemed like very trustworthy people yeah in my opinion um so she kind of started panicking as you would yeah um it was around the same time in the morning that cheryl's grandparents also realized that she hadn't returned home either by 7 a.m., both families were frantically searching for the girls. They were calling everyone that they could to try to figure out where the two could be, but they were having no luck. So at 3 p.m., the two families decided to try to file a missing person report with the police. But I'm sure you can guess, the two families were told that they needed to wait a full 24 hours before they could report the two girls missing. Absolutely infuriating. On it makes me so mad. May 21st, a official, so that's technically two days. They disappeared yeah. on the night of May 19th. May 21st is when the official missing person investigation was launched and police began to search for Cheryl and Pam. Um, I don't know if that's because maybe they assumed they went missing the morning of the 20th like when the parents noticed at four you know 4 a.m yeah maybe that's when they thought the 24 hours were start. i don't know but my petty ass would have been like at the police station at 4 a.m and been like all right let's do this then let's yeah. go the only information that the police had to go off of was the fact that the two girls were supposedly heading to the roller skating rink that night but when police went and talked to some kids who went to high school with cheryl and pam they found out that the girls did not fact in fact go to the roller skating rink but they instead were heading to the party. Right. From what they learned from a boy named Mark Lagertman, he and two of his friends had, were stopped at a nearby church parking lot to pick up some more cups for the party when Cheryl and Pam pulled over asking them for directions. So this is where so we I was going to say this is the boys yeah. in the car. Okay. Um, the two girls had just come from visiting Cheryl's grandmother who had been in the hospital. He then stated that the boys just told the girls to follow them to the party, so that's what they did. Well, on the way, though, the two cars went up a hill, and at that point, the driver of the car, the boy's car had missed the turn to the gravel pit, so they were forced to make a U-turn, and when Mark didn't see the girls behind them anymore, again, he assumed they either had gone home or they hadn't missed the turn already at the party. Mark stated, though, he doesn't remember seeing Pam or Cheryl at the party that night. Now... Police pretty much cleared the three boys as suspects pretty quickly because they were willing to talk to police and their stories weren't, like, suspicious at all. Right. It's just, like, they were following us and then they weren't there. And they were just gone. Okay. Um, but by clearing those three, that pretty much left the police with nothing. Right. So far, their search hadn't even turned up the car that the two girls were driving. Um, and because of all this, obviously, rumors and theories spread right quickly yeah um so let's talk about a few of those so one of the first theories that was thrown out was that the girls had possibly driven off the road into the missouri river but the river current and visibility wasn't great so they were unable to perform a search however they did search the roadway like along the river and where they had driven and they didn't see any like tire tracks okay. or tracks in the grass that would have supported the theory that the car went off the road okay um, you would assume that they would have seen yeah. some sort of evidence of right. that. Yeah. Um, like a car is heavy, and even if you're just driving on, like, really dry grass or, you know, like... And I'm assuming it was a dirt road. You would still have some sort of impression 
in an area where there isn't usually an impression. Right. You're going to assume you're going to see a contract going somewhere else. Right. Where they're not supposed to be. Right. We're on the same page. Yeah. The next theory is one we hear a lot, and that is the two girls decided to run away. Um, Cheryl's sister had stated that she had said before that she wanted to be a model and travel the world. Cheryl also had family in California, so investigators thought that maybe the two of them had just decided to drive there. Um, but again, they didn't have very much evidence to support this theory. First, neither of the two girls had cashed their paychecks yet from the past week, so they didn't have very much money to support a cross-country road trip. And when Cheryl's relatives confirmed, the ones in California confirmed that they hadn't seen or heard from either girl, that theory, um, again, lost steam. Right. Um, It didn't take long, of course, for the case to run cold. Months went by and no new theories or evidences surfaced. And that was until um, a neighbor of Pam's came forward and stated that they had heard Pam speaking on the phone via a party line to a man that only referred to himself as David. Um, yeah, you look confused about a party line. No, no, no. I know, what, you a know par- what a party line yeah, is. Yeah, I do. I had no fucking clue. I had to look it up. I am also four years older than you. Well, that's barely <laughs> anything. A party line is a telephone loop that serves multiple different telephone services yes. and apparently it was common practice back then. Right. I don't even know how that really works. Like you just pick up the phone and you can. Yeah. And if like talking. somebody was using it, then you couldn't use it. So multiple houses basically use the same. Yeah. From what I understand okay. from it, at least. Okay. No, I was just, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Oh, I'm trying to figure out what happened. And I'm like, okay, now we have a suspicious man, but why would she run off with said suspicious man with her friend in the car like that doesn't make any sense like well let's just keep going yeah so that was um, what the face was about <laughs> i thought it was a party line i had no, no idea what the fuck that was <laughs> um the neighbor reported that while he listened which is also like creepy as hell right aren't you supposed to be like hello i'm here i don't know whatever i don't know what a party line's like so. girl that's how you get the hot goss i'm sure <laughs> um he heard Pam talking about how ha- David had slammed her hand in a car door, as well as David talking about how he wished he had taken pictures of her. Um, the neighbor also talked about how he thought David was possibly a student at the University of South Dakota, which I believe is located in Sioux Falls. I can double check, but that SDSU, I think, is Sioux Falls. No, SDSU is or No, Brookings. sorry. Other one. US- USD. USD. I believe it's Sioux Falls. Um, but again, this tip didn't really go anywhere. So with no last name and no other description, police weren't able to track anything down. Um, I mean, all they had was the name David. So okay, not much you can do with that. So again, the case went cold. In a last-ditch last effort, the police decided to search the gravel pits, thinking maybe the girls had made it to the party and the boys didn't, just didn't see them there. But again, nothing surfaced, and the police were back at square one. It was University of South Dakota, correct? Yeah. Correct? No, that one's um, in Vermilion. Oh, so it is in Vermilion. Yeah, yeah, that one's in Vermilion. Okay. I actually, because that's the only reason I really know um, of Vermilion is because I worked, as you know, for a summer, a couple summers in South Dakota, and a lot of the staff there went to school at SDSU or USD. Got it. Um, now... Unfortunately, our next big break in the case doesn't come until 2004, so over 30 years after the girls disappeared. Okay. 
This is when the South Dakota Attorney General's office started a cold case unit and started looking into the tip about David. Wait. From Pam's neighbor in 1971, and they began to investigate this case as a homicide. The police did nothing with that tip? They're looking back into the tip. But you said that's when they finally looked into the tip. I didn't say finally. I thought you said that's when they looked into it. Right. They're like, looking yeah. into it again. Oh, I was like, wait a second. That doesn't make sense. Okay, sorry. Well, they didn't have much on it last Right, but you you could still go to the registrator's office and be like, I need all your students with the but name David. they don't even David. know if it was a University of South Dakota oh, student. Oh, that's true. He just You're right. kind of guessed it was. You're right. My um, bad. <clears throat> one suspect that came up was a man named David Lycan. L-Y-K-K-E-N. Lickin? Lickin? Sure. David was a convicted rapist and kidnapper who was sentenced to 227 years in prison in 1990 in an unrelated case. Um, David lived near the gravel pits at the time of the girl's disappearance and with the neighbor saying Pam was talking to a David, they thought that that could have possibly been him. Yes. Okay. Investigators spoke to many people who knew David at the time of the disappearance and one of those interviewees claimed to have seen Cheryl's car on the Lycan farm. Uh, they also claimed to have seen two girls on the car, one slumped over the steering wheel and one sitting upright in the passenger seat. Investigators believed at this point that they had enough evidence to search the farm and in September 2004 they executed that search, which again unfortunately came up empty-handed. They did find women's ju- uh, clothing, jewelry, and a purse, but none of these um, matched the victims. The victims, okay. or the girls. Yeah. Okay. Um, then one of David's, David's cellmates came to the prison and claimed that police came to the police and claimed that he had conf- that David had confessed to him that he, they, he had killed Cheryl and Pam. The informant went as far as to tape a full confession. And police finally thought that after 35 years, they finally had solved the mystery of what happened to Cheryl and Pam. I don't have information on what was said in the confession. Okay. Or just how that there or was why. One. Or just that there was one. Okay. Um, David was charged with the murder and kidnapping, and his trial was set for March 2008. But just two weeks, or sorry, a few weeks before the trial was set to begin, it was discovered that the informant had lied about everything and the whole confession was false. Because of that, police had to drop the charges against David, and again, the case went cold. Hmm. Okay. Now, we're going to find out what happened. Okay. On April 15th, 2014, a fisherman was fishing in Brule Creek when he noticed that there were tires from a car sticking out of the water. This area in South Dakota was experiencing a drought, and the creek water levels were extremely low. The fishermen called police, and they were able to confirm by the type of car and the license plate that it was, in fact, the, the Studebaker? Yeah, I think. That Cheryl's grandfather had loaned her on the main, that May night in 1971. Inside the car was the skeletal remains of Cheryl Miller and Pam Jackson. Stop it. The car was still in gear, and the headlights were still in the on position, and one of the tires was damaged. Investigators believe that the girls were following the boys to the party. They lost control of the car, either because maybe a blown or flat tire, um, and crashed into the creek. They did not believe that alcohol was a factor in the crash. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
oh my god pretty sad actually. yeah and just think too like if the boys had just seen where they'd gone the car like, yeah like yeah. the headlights disappear the car veer off the road Could have been oh a my story. god i can't believe they didn't drag the creek i mean i suppose yes yeah i don't it know did, if it didn't look anything like anything had gone happened, off right and, and, and like originally they're like they thought they went into the missouri river this creek wasn't even mentioned oh damn yeah so maybe they just didn't even think it was deep enough yeah i don't know for a car oh my god that's so sad i mean better than being like brutally murdered arguably i guess but still really sad and you're right i was not anticipating that (laughs) being the ending but i was kind of hoping they were like secretly living together as like a happy couple somewhere or something you know like some big twist like that but you know um father oscar jackson had died at age 102 just five days before his daughter was found no yeah damn it he totally told that farmer or that fisherman fisherman to go fishing he's like hey you should go fishing it took over 40 years, but the mystery of Cheryl Miller and Pam Jackson was finally solved. How did I not hear about this before? That's crazy. Yeah. One thing that um, was returned to Cheryl's family was her watch, which had stopped at 10.20 p.m. Oh, so spooky. And that is the story of the disappearance of Cheryl Miller and Pam Jackson. Crazy. Yeah. I. That's a different one for for us. I also did not see that going that direction when I right. started it. Because I just, you know, I Googled. I went disappearances in South Dakota. Yeah. This popped up. I was like, oh, sweet. And disappearance, that hasn't been solved. And then I find out it's been solved. <laughs> yeah. Which is a rare occurrence for you. You like this. Yeah. But I hear about this kind of happening, happening like more often. And it makes me kind of sad. Like finding people, people in, in the water this much later. Well, and that's like um, Randy. Mm -hmm. Like that's the big theory behind his disappearance because he hasn't been found yet, has Mm -hmm. he? Every time I see something on my like Facebook feed about like car found in river after decades, I'm like, is it Randy? And it hasn't been him yet. Yeah. So maybe one day because that's another one where the car disappeared. Yeah. The car just vanished. Yeah. Wasn't it like his prized possession? Or was he working on a different car that was his prized possession? I think he, he was, was like really in, into his one of the Car. cars. Yeah. In the story, I remember. So, yeah. That is crazy. Different one, I thought. Yeah. Kind of nice to not have a gruesome, gruesome crime yeah. happen to someone. Sad, but. Yeah, really sad because it's like, like you said, if those boys had been 40 feet closer, 20 feet closer, seen had seen those car lights veer off or you know because like you have to assume since the girls were found in the car either they were unconscious or they were trapped or you know and that's just really sad yeah in general so there you go um my sources were kylie's true crime not squarespace.com npr.org only airstate.com and the mitchellrepublic.com um and there you guys go <laughs> well uh, our socials are mw madness podcast group on facebook or no sorry that's midwest midwest madness podcast 
group on Facebook. MW Madness Podcast on Instagram. And that is also our email. So you can reach out to us any of those ways to send stories um, and suggestions for things to do in Ely, Minnesota. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. Um, we hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. <laughs> Sorry. Bye.